Hello and welcome to Account Instruction Help and How To. In this lecture we're going to talk about audit sampling. We will be able to, at the end of this, define what audit sampling is, explain why audit sampling is needed and an important part of the audit process, and list and describe types of audit sampling and when they would be applicable. Audit sampling is going to be the idea that we cannot go in and prove every assertion by testing every transaction. So therefore, we're going to have to use some type of sampling method. We're going to have to prove transactions not by looking at all of them but by looking at some portion of them and then making a, an assertion about the whole in a similar way as we would take a poll if we we're trying to get an opinion on a presidential poll or something like that clearly what we're doing is not talking to everybody in the country we're going to get a poll in some way a sample and then we're going to apply the results of that sample to the whole that's going to be a similar concept that we're going to use here we could use a formal statistical sampling method, as you've probably seen within polls. They're going to get a statistical sampling method, or we may use a non-statistical sampling method, but the concepts are going to be the same. The concept is going to be that we need some kind of sampling method that will be applicable to a smaller group than the entire population, and then we can in some way apply that to the entire population. Now, it depends on the type of sample in terms of what type of sampling method we're going to use. If we're talking about the population, we usually have a completely random sample. If we're trying to prove something in certain types of assertions, we may want to have different types of sampling methods, which we'll take a look at. For example, we might be looking at larger transactions in some cases because we're concerned about material misstatement. We might be more concerned with uh, amounts that are going to be over a certain dollar amount. And so we could adjust our sampling methods in different types of ways, determine depending on the particular assertion that we are looking into. It's also true that technology has changed the way that we will sample in some cases. For example, things that we used to test in the past, we used to have to get a random sample, go out and actually manually pull out and test types of transactions. Some of these processes can be more automated in this case. So if there's no human element in the process and, and a whole transaction is now automated, then there's less need for the actual going in and testing the actual uh, transactions, what we can then do is actually test the controls. We can go in and say, let's see what the controls look like. We know the system's set up to do the same thing, and therefore we can spend more time testing the controls in that case than, than possibly ran the random sampling. Uh, we also could have systems in case where we have advanced auditing software that could, tr they could test some systems by taking the data, downloading the data, and performing analytical types of tests in that format as well which could eliminate the need for the, the sampling methods to go out and actually pull the transactions in the traditional sampling method. But there's never going to be an elimination of all types of sampling that we're going to have. We're still going to need some human element out there to do the sampling for many different reasons. One is that we could have sampling that's going to be outside of the organization. So if we're talking about something like talking to customers when we're trying to sample for proving the accounts receivable, we can't go to the system, we've got to go outside the system to a third party and talk to the third party. That's going to take a human element. There's also going to be a lot of observation and rework. If we're trying to re rework something to see if the calculation is correct, then we're going to have to make our own kind of estimates. We need to see if the estimate is correct. We need to make some evaluation and some judgments about estimates. Things like allowance for doubtful accounts and depreciation. Those types of calculations are going to be things that we need to put some kind of judgment into place when we when we look through those any system that's going to have a human element in it that's going to be something that uh, we're going to need to evaluate and do some some controls on it 
we also have a lot of things that are going to have observations. So if we're testing things like inventory, then part of the test is we have to actually drive out there and say, okay, does this thing actually, is it actually there? If we're taking, if we're testing things like the equipment, same kind of idea, we'll sample some of the equipment, actually drive out there and be like, okay, there's the equipment, we see that it's physically there. So when we need that observation, it's going to be another area where we're going to need that sampling method. And we're going to have to take a list of the whole, take a part of the sample, go out there and test to see if the sample is there. We also need to consider the concept of sampling risk. Sampling risk is going to be the risk that the sample drawn does not reflect the population. So this could take two different forms. So the idea being that we drew a population, we wanted that population size to then reflect the larger population so that we can sample that population and then apply it to the larger. What if that population does not reflect the larger population? That's going to be the sampling risk that we're going to have to take into account. Two types of ways we can make an error. There's two types of ways that that sample could be unreflective of the total. One could be that the risk of, in, we could have a risk of incorrect rejection, meaning that if we looked at the sample, we came to the conclusion that it does not meet the assertion. Therefore, we rejected the assertion. But however, in reality, the entire population does meet the assertion. So that would be the problem that we rejected it and we should not have based on the sample that we draw. So for example, if we're testing inventory, we're talking about cups of inventory, and we're trying to determine how many of those cups are going to be broken or some way faulty within the entire population, and we say that there's a, an accepted uh, rate of 10% of broken cups in terms of the population, if we did our sample and we determined that a higher than 10% or 15% of the cups were broken in the sample, and therefore we applied that to the entire population, if the entire population did not actually have a rate over the 10%, then we would have rejected it and we should not have based on the sample that we draw. We could also have a risk of incorrect acceptance. So the incorrect acceptance would mean that we accept the assertion when we should not have. We, our sample reflected the, the idea that uh, we should accept the assertion, but if we applied it to the entire population, we should not have. For example, in the case of inventory, if we're looking at the cups and we have a tolerable of 10% of broken cups versus the entire population and we did our testing and we determined that based on the sample less than 10% was broken within the sample we applied that to the to the whole and we uh, were wrong apparently if the, if the sample did not reflect the whole that would be the sampling risk on on the risk of incorrect acceptance we would then accept the assertion that the inventory is less than 10% of of broken cups when it should not have been accepted of the two risks, we're more concerned with the second one. We don't want to accept an assertion that is incorrect. We would rather reject assertion, an assertion that was correct. Reason being is because just from a, from a legal standpoint, from a liability standpoint, if other people are depending on this, they're more likely to invest in, in, in the assertion if we accepted it incorrectly, and that opens us up, us up to more lawsuits. So what we want to do is, is Make sure that the risk of incorrect acceptance is strong. We're going to be strong on that side of things. We don't want to have an incorrect acceptance. Sampling risk is going to be inversely related to the confidence level. So if we're going to set the sampling risk, we're going to have to have some type of risk that we are going to have an incorrect, accept, incorrect sample. And if we set that to be 5%, then our confidence level would be 95%. That's going to be the idea of the relationship between the sampling risk and the confidence level. 
Note that we can never get the sampling risk down to zero, and we're never going to be able to get the confidence risk up to 100 unless we tested the whole thing, and that's, that's not going to happen. So we're going to have to set some type of sampling risk. So in this case, if we say that uh, we're going to have the sampling risk set at 5%, so there's a 5% chance that the sample would have a, a judgment that would be different than the assertion of 10%, uh, having 10% below 10% of broken cups based on the entire population. So the confidence level 95% and the, the sampling risk then being 5%. How do we increase the confidence level to 95%? One of the relationships between the confidence level will be the size of the population that we're going we're gonna to pick from. So the sample that we're going to pick from. So if we're looking at the population, if there is a relationship between how big of a sample we're going to pick and our confidence level. So if we pick a larger sample, then our, we can have a greater, greater confidence level and we have less risk. When selecting our, our sample level, we should also take into consideration the idea of the tolerable error and the expected error. And if we're thinking about our example of the cups here, if we're saying that there's a tolerable error of the 10%, that's what we can, we can tolerate within our sample and accept. And uh, if there's an expected error, let's say that if we talk to management, if we looked at the past history, that it's usually around 3% when we do the testing. So we expect it to be around 3% we can tolerate around 10% and therefore we can build our assessment around those numbers given the fact that we want to have a 95% confidence level. Now if there was a problem later on, if say there was an earthquake recently or something happened and we expect the uh, rate to be up to the expected error rate to be more like 7% rather than 3%, that's closer to the tolerable rate of 10% and therefore, we're going to have to do basically more testing in that case because of the closeness between what we, the tolerable rate and the expected rate. What types of transactions would we use audit sampling in? Not all of our testing is going to include some types of audit sampling. We have other types of tests, and we may have sampling as part of our test of certain assertions, and it may not be the complete test. We might have other things that are going to be involved in order for us to prove a certain assertion, sampling being part of it. But some of the things that we would apply a sampling method to or often would apply a sampling method to would be things like the inspection of tangible assets that we've talked about, the inventory, if we're actually going to go out there and look at the inventory. We're not going to look at all the inventory. We want to see if it actually exists. We want to see if it's there. We're, we can take a sample of some kind and go out there and see if it exists. If we're, if we're looking at the inspection of equipment or something like that, same type of thing, we can get a list of the equipment and actually go out there. Inspection, inspection of records and documents. We could go out and inspect the record keeping, especially if we're talking about internal controls or like cutoff dates. Then we can go out there and look at the processes and see the process and see if what is happening is in alignment with the process. So, for example, if we're looking at the process being that the shipping documents are going to be matched with the invoice and we're going to record the inventory leaving at the date of the shipping documents, then we can go out and see if that process is the case and if that it, it, we can sample that process and do some type of sampling method if they do a lot of shipping of course we're not going to do all of it we're not going to be able to uh, test everything but we could take a sample in that case reperformance we could test certain type of calculations so if we're testing something like a pension plan calculation or something like that we could go in there and actually reperform the calculation for a certain sample and then apply that out we could have a confirmation testing so something like accounts receivable if we are testing all the accounts receivable and say they have a lot of customers that owe them money, then we're not going to go to all the, all the individuals. We're going to have some type of testing method 
so that we can have some sample for that type of testing method as well. Other areas where we may not need sampling would be that what if there's a transactions that have very few transactions within them. So for example, if we're looking at a type of account like equipment or even like building, that's going to be an account that if we look at the general ledger for the entire year, we might say, well, there's only so many transactions. They only bought so many large pieces of equipment and capitalized them, or they only bought so many large buildings <laughs> and capital. So we're going to, we can go through there and just test the entire thing just for the fact that there's not that many in there. We don't need to sample a small, if we have a small population, we don't need to sample the small population. We can go in there. And, and that's going to be standard on some types of things. If we talk about cash, clearly there's going to be a lot of transactions in cash. And therefore, we're not going to be able to just test everything. Accounts receivable, oftentimes there's a lot of transactions in accounts receivable. We're going to have to go in there and do some type of sampling to prove some assertions. But the equipment account, not, not a whole lot of transactions a lot of times, so we might not have to do much. Something like a loan account, uh, maybe they, you know, they might not be getting any new loans. They, we'd have to calculate the interest on it, of course. But they might not be uh, financing a whole lot of new financing. If we talk about the capital account, then uh, it may not be that we're getting a lot of more common stock transactions and then we might be able to test all those transactions. And we do want to test the large transactions as well. So when we think about the fixed assets, then those are clearly going to be large in number, so in dollar amounts, so we often want to go in there. We also want to think about if we look at the transaction total as a whole and we see some big numbers in there and we say, hey, there's a lot of transactions in here, but the balance in the account is due to a fewer number of transactions, then we probably don't want to have a random sample just to take all the transactions and then be pulling out transactions that are like $25 when the account is clearly affected by a transaction here that's $500,000. What we'd want to do in that case is pick some of those larger numbers and pull, pull, look into them. So for example, if we were looking at uh, the supplies expense account, and we had all these transactions in the supplies expense account, but we noticed that it's higher than it was last year, and there's like three or five transactions that are very large in dollar amount that are affecting that, then yeah, we're going to probably want to go in there and look at those five. Possibly what could have happened is they expense something within the supplies expense when they could have capitalized it. They should have capitalized it as an asset. Those are the types of things that we'd want to take a look at when we think of individual accounts. Remember that the two type of audit samplings can fall into two broad categories. One is going to be the non-statistical sampling and one is going to be the statistical sampling. So the non-statistical sampling is not going to be the, the formal statistical analysis, but it's going to have the similar objective. So the concepts in both of them were, are going to be the same. We're going to try to find a population of the total and try to apply the characteristics of the population to the total. When we take a look at the difference between the two, there's going to be advantages and disadvantages to both of them. If we look at the statistical sampling, it's going to have the advantage that it's going to be more specific. So we can have a more specific determination, and we could say with a higher degree of confidence in a specific format that uh, this is going to be our confidence level. We can also have a very defined set of testing. We know exactly what the population should be, and therefore we may be more efficient in our population. We may not accidentally overpopulate and, and probably test more than maybe we should, and we can test the correct amount of the population in order to get our statistical sample. The disadvantages, of course, of the statistical sampling is that it's going to be more costly and that it's more timely and it takes more training to do the statistical sampling. So in practice, oftentimes we actually do have a lot of non-statistical uh, analysis in planning, the ideas being the same, and the, and the goal being that uh, it is reflective of the total. We're going to take a look at some classes of statistical sampling 
and the ideas of the statistical sampling are applicable to the non-statistical sampling as well. So there's a few different types of statistical sampling we'll take a look at briefly here. So we've got the classical uh, variable sampling on the statistical sampling, and that's going to be like your classic uh, statistics type of sampling, some type of random sample within that population, and then you're going to do uh, the analysis based on that random sample. Note that when we talk about different types of samples, however, each unit will then be accounted for in the same way. So when we're talking about different dollar amounts, if we were looking about at counts receivable, we're, we would then be measuring the same weight would be given to an account that was for thousands of dollars as an account for a few dollars. And that's going to be the, the pros and the cons of the sample like this. If it's completely random, it has a lot of pros that it gives that randomness within the sample and that population. It could have some cons when we're talking about dollar amounts because we do want to focus on the dollar amounts that will be materials many times. And for that, we might use something like a monetary unit sampling, in which case it's going to be a format that will take into consideration each dollar is kind of like a unit. So therefore, that sampling method can take into consideration the fact that we do want to give more weight oftentimes to the larger dollar amounts. So if we're measuring like accounts receivable, we probably want to spend more, we want to give more weight to the dollar amounts that are higher and have them be more likely to be in our sampling population as well as because we want to do further testing on those. Those are the ones we want to do the more testing on because they have a bigger impact on the total dollar amount. So we have some variations between that classical model that we've looked at, which we could then have attribution sampling. So attribution sampling is used to estimate the proportion of a population that possesses a specific characteristic. So this is oftentimes what we're going to do for uh, internal controls. We might be saying, we might be looking at the sales transactions, and if we see that there's a policy that we have to have a um, credit check every time we have a sale, then we could test that. We can go in there and say, okay, let's test to see how many of the transactions have the credit check and use an attribution sampling in that case.